this this morning we're going to be in Psalm 3, so if you'd turn there in your Bibles, or it will also be on the screen. Just a little background into Psalm 3. Um, this is one of a few psalms that actually has what we call a subscript that was actually written by the author. Um, right next to the chapter, just below it, the number there, it says, A Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. So this is this is part of the inspired text. This isn't something that was added on later. Um, so this actually helps us kind of see what's going on behind the psalm. Um, so just some background as we as we get into this. Um, David was king over all Israel at this point in time, uh, and his son Absalom had basically killed his brother. And uh, David sent him and basically banished him from the kingdom. Well, this grew on David's heart and it wearied him and made him sad. So what David did is brought him, allowed him back into the kingdom, but said he couldn't come into his presence. And so what Absalom had decided to do was, uh, just like any older son, I guess, because I'm a younger brother, so I can say that. So just like any older brother, no, but uh, he would stand outside the gate and he would say, David's too busy for you. Tell me your problems. And in doing this, swayed the hearts of the people so that they thought that David didn't care for them anymore, but rather Absalom was was the next choice for king. And so what had happened is Absalom sent a note to his dad saying, hey, I have some unfinished business in this land that I lived when I was banished. I have to I have to go out there and make sacrifice and so on. And what he did is he, he brought along the, the high priest or one of the high priests at the time and one of the high officials, and basically orchestrated his own uh, dubbing king. I, I don't know the right word for it right now, but basically he was being allowed, or someone was anointing him king. And this news got back to David, and David was distraught. He felt betrayed by his own son, somebody that he loved and trusted, and he fled. And he ran to the Mount of Olives. This is where we find our psalm. Let's read this together. <laughs> o Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him and God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of the many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your inspired, perfect word and that we can come to it every day and bask in your glory and in your grace. Lord, I just pray that you would encourage your people here at Moundsville Baptist Church. Lord, that we would see how glorious you are and fall on our knees and worship knowing that you've taken care of the situation. Lord, we praise you and thank you. Help me to be clear and to encourage your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So, 
couple of years into Jody and I's marriage, I had decided to lie to my wife. Now, this is never a good thing. Um, I had kept something for her for about six months or so. And while we're sitting at the table one evening, the Lord literally pulls it out of my mouth. It came out of the, came out of the blue. Um, that confession of sin broke my wife's heart. And she felt betrayed and that I just continued on living a certain way that wasn't what was supposed to be. That feeling is what David is feeling right now. And I think a lot of us have probably felt that at some point in our lives, just totally betrayed by someone that we love. So because, so what this psalm shows is that because sin is in the world and in us, we all feel the desperation for restoration, which finds its consummation in Christ. So as we begin to look at this, we see, first off, King David's desperation. Uh, and so verse 1 and 2 shows us the situation that David's in. It says, O Lord, how many are my foes rising, many are rising against me, and many are saying in my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. So David's, David here is, his, as we talked about before, we see that David is on his way out of Jerusalem up to the Mount of Olives, running from Absalom. And in this, he's feeling betrayed by the one he loves. He's feeling grief and sadness because his own son finds that installing his kingdom is more important than the relationship he has with the family. And he's feeling, feeling fearful because his life is at stake. He's afraid that he's actually going to be overtaken and killed by his own son. All of this is what this psalm is coming out of. This also occurs after the incident with Bathsheba where basically King David rapes another man's wife and pregnants her and kills her husband to cover it all up. So it makes sense here that people of Israel would say there's no salvation for him and God. This is God's judgment on David. So as David is recounting all these things, he's remembering that all of his past and he's saying a lot of some of this is even my fault. And so the Lord here should be shaming him and judging him in our view. And in Israel's view, this is what they would be saying. So David, though, is also, as we continue, he's recounting the blessings of the Lord. He's remembering that the Lord has already dealt with him in Bathsheba. He's remembering the promises that God said he's going to come a a throne. Sorry, someone's going to come through his line and take his throne forever. He's remembering that the incident with Bathsheba was already taken care of and that he's received mercy from God. And so it doesn't matter what people are saying of you and of me, but we need to remember what God says of us, that he is our salvation and he is our hope. As we go through the psalm, we come to the first Selah in Psalms. And Selah is basically a point, because these are all music. This is a point where the music would play, but the singing would stop. And we would sit and think about what was just said. Israel is going to be, as this goes through history, Israel is going to be thinking about, oh yeah, remember that time when David fled? Remember that time when we as a people were against the Lord's anointed? Next thing we see is we see David crying out to God in verses 3 and 4. 
But you, O Lord, are shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. David recognizes here that his only hope is God. His only hope out of this situation is God. So one commentator compares this to someone who's being mugged and crying out, Hey, save me! And somebody answers. Right? So David, knowing that his salvation is in the Lord, whether he's killed or he's comes through this on the other side, like I said, David knows that his salvation is in the Lord. And that his hope doesn't have to be whether he lives or dies. But rather that the Lord will take care of him and see him to the other side. So David's trust in the Lord and that he alone will bring salvation. Verses 5 through 8. I laid down my life. I woke, or sorry, I laid down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me. Oh my God, for the strike, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Blessings be on your people. After grieving and crying out to God, David remembers God's promises. And he sees that the salvation belongs to the Lord. What we see here is we don't see David sitting in his palace saying, woe is me and, you know, it is what it is. I'll just let it happen. But no, we see him running. We see him running and clinging to Christ or clinging to God and his promises. As he ascends the Mount of Olives, his heart is distraught. He's barefoot. His head is covered. He's crying out to God. And when he reaches the top, he finds rest. He says, I laid down and I slept. How many times do we come to God with all the anxiousness, all of the fear of this life? And as we're crying out to God, the peace of God comes in and calms us and we're able to find rest. That's what I believe is happening here is David is journaling or writing the song or whatever it is. He's finding rest and that peace is coming, coming over him. He says, I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me. I'm willing to bet most of us haven't had thousands of people surrounding our house trying to kill us. So if David, in this example, has the entire nation of Israel wanting him dead and is able to find peace in the Lord, I'm willing to bet that we can have the same thing. All this comes to a head in Jesus Christ. Everything is brought forward. Jesus is the consummation of this. David's earthly kingdom is a foreshadow or a picture of what is to later happen in Jesus. As I was studying for the sermon this week, the Lord in his kindness showed me just how good he is. And the two parallels between this psalm and what we see happening in Luke 22 is beautiful. And so just like Jesus, or sorry, just like David was betrayed by someone he loved, 
So Jesus was betrayed by someone he loved and trusted. And that's Judas. You don't give the money to somebody you don't trust. And Judas was that. He was the, the money bags or the accountant for the group. He was trusted by everyone. And yet this is the man who decided to betray Jesus. When David was betrayed, he fled to the Mount of Olives to find peace in the Lord. And, and we find in Luke twenty two thirty nine that when Jesus was betrayed by Judas, he too fled to the Mount of Olives, also the Garden of Gethsemane. And when Jesus, he also climbed this mountain, this same spot, feeling that, grieved, betrayed, fearful. Well, here Jesus, well, here David cried out, Oh God, save me. The God man, Jesus Christ, also called out to God, Father, let this cup pass from me. David was rescued by God here. Christ was taken to the cross to rescue others. Well, this looks like defeat throughout the story. The, the God man was taken to the cross. We, if you've been in church and read the Bible, you know that's not the end. Right? Both had the same prayer. David says, Lord, blessings be on your people. What? Are you serious? In the middle of all of this, David is praying for those who are running after him. He says, blessings be on your people. Your people, that's Israel. They're the same people who are running after David. And you're praying blessings on them? You're praying happiness for these people? So does Jesus as he's hanging on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Let that sink in a little bit. While people are chasing you, while people are after you, your peace comes because Christ hung on the cross and forgave your sins. You are not David. You and I are Absalom. We have all betrayed the Lord's anointed. But because of David's prayer here, moved forward into Jesus and his prayer, we are able to find new life in Jesus Christ. Therefore, these prayers become our prayers. Just as David was able to lay down and sleep, and he woke again, as verse 5 says, so Jesus laid down and slept in a tomb. Three days later, rising again. This time, victorious over sin and death. Throughout Scripture, we see sleeping as a, as a picture of death. Even David, when he... And when he passed away, he said he went to go sleep with his ancestors. So this is meant to be a picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Our restoration comes because Christ woke from his sleep so we can be brought from death to life in Christ's resurrection from the dead. What all this means for us is, as the early church fathers Tertullian and Augustine have said, this song from David was sung here and placed on the lips of Jesus. And when we put our faith in the finished work of Christ and the hope of his return, our life is now hidden in his. Paul beats this into the Colossians' minds. And in Colossians 3.3, he says, your life is hidden in Christ. So you're raised with Christ. 
You brought from death to life because you're in Christ. So church, if you're feeling betrayed, cry out to God, save me. If you're feeling fearful, cry out to God, save me. Oh my God. The enemy is on every side, including temptation or the accusation after failure. You need to fall on your knees here too. God, save me. When your soul is in anguish over what might happen in the future, you need to fall on your knees again and pray to God that he would save you. And as verse 5 says, the Lord will sustain you. He will lift your head in grace even when you don't deserve it, even when it should be shoved in the dirt. A lot of times in the ancient world when a king would be conquered, They would come up to the king, the conquering king, and shove their head in the ground as an act of disgrace. So this picture of the Lord lifting your head is meant to show the grace and kindness of the Lord Jesus. That when we deserve to be disgraced, the Lord gives us grace. Remember, all this is happening after Bathsheba. After this big mark on King David's life, he's received grace. So if you're not in Christ and not a part of his bride, the church, the first thing you need to realize is that your soul is an enemy against God. But then you need to, you also need to see that Christ came for you and for me. And that the Lord Jesus wants to take you out of your state of hopelessness and revive you and bring life into your, into your bones. Just cry out to him in the same way. Oh God, save me. Put your faith and hope in the finished work of Christ. In conclusion, the Lord climbed this mountain one more time. But this time it was not in agony, it was not in grief, but in victory over sin and death. We find in Acts 1.12 that this is the place where the Lord Jesus ascends into heaven. He comes back to this place that has been filled with so much grief to show that you no longer have to have grief anymore, but rather you can have hope and joy and restoration because the Christ has ascended from here and is sitting on the right hand of God, ruling and reigning over all authorities, whether on heaven or on earth, whether they're the the temptations within your soul or the, the governors and ruling authority around you. God is actually ruling and reigning over all of that. So find your peace and hope that the Lord wants to bring you home. The Lord is your hope. And just like David was rescued from this mountain, the Lord Jesus also was delivered again from this mountain and brought to the right hand of the Father. His enemies here are your same enemies we have now. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And they all want to destroy you. But when your life is in Christ, your hope is the fact that you don't have to submit to those enemies anymore because your authority is now Christ. Christ.